Hi, this is Rosalinda, the host of Faith Fuel Podcast, the show where we hear voices of people transforming the world for Jesus. Pastors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and world changers. So sit down, relax, or keep it driving. It's time to get some wholehearted, wide open, and yes, sometimes side-splitting encouragement and direction for your life. So get ready to get fired up. The Bible is a manual for life. Now, today it may be a little different in how we're living, but I'm telling you, every single issue in life is answered in the Bible. The Bible is an instruction manual. When you buy something, maybe a piece of furniture, especially if you get it from Ikea, if you don't follow the instructions and you just kind of wing it, and how did that turn out? Not so good, right? Well, I remember at my house, there was a couple of brothers that came over and they were putting together this canopy that was on my deck and they were helping me out and I want to be helpful. You know, I'm bringing the pieces and laying it where they can get it. But while they're busy putting together this 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 canopy, I have the manual. I have the instructions in my hand and they basically don't need it, right? Because men don't need instructions that are on paper because they can just look at it and it'll kind of come together. Well, they got pretty close and you're talking about this thing is really, really tall and they had to take it all the way down and do it again. They didn't have to do that just one time. They had to do it twice. And all along, I was secretly looking at the manual going, "Uh, I think that's wrong, but I didn't want to interject because they're so professional, right? But how many of you guys know that if you don't take the time to read the manual, there is a likely chance it's not going to turn out right? Okay, that's not just guys, that's women, when we try to whip things together and cook. But guys, the Bible is a manual for life. The Bible is a manual for life. And so James is really about faith. So if you look in the Bible, you go, man, I don't know where to read. This thing is so big, I don't really know how to take it. Take it one bite at a time, one step at a time, okay? And so I think that it's fair to say that James is known for a manual, not just to one group or a church, but it's to everybody, okay? So the thing about James, when James, the book was written, is that Paul wrote books like the Corinthians. He was writing to a specific people that applies to all of us. James writes the book to everybody, and he's all up in your business and all up in your face. How many of you need somebody to sometimes just get up in your face, right? A lot of us like everybody to say, yeah, it's amazing, it's amazing, you're doing amazing, right? We like to hear that, but that doesn't change our life, right? So James gets up in our face and he sets us free. So he deals with this, who we are. He's going to talk about who we are. He's going to say, oh, what we do. He's going to talk about what we say, what we feel, and what we have. So a faith-filled life is going to require us to address all these areas. you got to address it all. Everything has to be touched. So he gives us needed advice to experience a fullness in our active walk with the Lord. So let's talk about who James is. James was actually the half-brother of Jesus. He was the half-brother of Jesus, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. But here's the deal. James did not always believe in Jesus. Do you know that Jesus went all the way to the cross and his little brother, he didn't really believe he was a savior until he rose from the dead. And then James is like, 
okay, now I believe. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus would visit James after the resurrection and it changed his life forever. I was very little when I came to know the Lord. My sister said I was like three and I, I asked the Lord in my life. But I do remember doing a little bit of sin between there and my teenage years. And there came a point where I came to the Lord and I got down on my knees and I asked the Lord to really come into my heart and change me. So this happens. James, Jesus, they're talking. He ministers to him. And of course, the biggest ministry was after he uh, resurrected. So James also becomes one of the earliest witnesses of the church. And he stays back in Jerusalem as a part of the believers. So the upper room, here's Jesus. He, he dies. He raised up again. All of a sudden, they have this experience. They go in the upper room. And that's where the Holy Spirit and it says that flames of tongues were upon them. James was in that room. He was one of the people there. Later in the Bible, we read that he meets up with Paul, Peter, and Peter escapes from prison and tells James, he actually talks about James in the book of Acts. James becomes an elder in the church, and then many people, theologians believe, that he was killed and martyred around 62 AD. But he writes the book, listen to this, between 50 and 60 AD, and he addresses himself as a servant of God, and he deals with something that we need every day. He deals with Christian morals and Christian ethics and theology, and it's a topic of faith, the external evidence of internal conversion. How many of you know that if you have an internal change, if there's an internal conversion, there's going to be an external proof. Okay. I want to say that one more time. If you have an internal encounter with Jesus, there's an external proof and fruit of your encounter with the Lord. Amen. Because you can't be meeting Jesus, loving Jesus and acting a fool. You have to have a distinct change in your life. You cannot look, act, talk, do crazy things and say you have a relationship with the Lord. So when you have an encounter with the Lord, something shifts inside of you and you just don't act the same. You don't talk the same. You don't sound the same. In fact, people should be able to know that you're saved because something switched inside you. Amen? The book of James talks about certain topics. Stress, putting faith into action, humility, finding peace in the middle of a storm. The early church understood suffering as well because Christians back then were beheaded, burned, and very afraid for their lives because many of them refused to call Caesar the Lord. So this is what's happening. Jesus died. He's on the cross. He's resurrected. James stays back in Jerusalem. He starts telling everybody. But the Christians, the Bible said, dispersed. They went everywhere. Why? Because they were getting killed. They were being martyred. Do you know that that still happens today? That still happens today. I did a Bible study for a group in Pakistan. I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I did a Zoom meeting in a city where they had just killed and burned the pastor in the city streets. And they invited me to do a leadership training for the church and the ministry. So I got up early in the morning and I met with all of the leaders. And they're in this room where every window is shut and they have their Bibles in their hand. Man, we don't even know. Do y'all understand? Like, we don't even understand. We, we look at Jesus like he's a genie. 
Like, Jesus, can you make this happen for me? Jesus, can you make this happen for me? God, can you make this happen for me? God, can you give me grace? What? We're just always asking him for things, and we don't understand the privilege that you have to call yourself a Christian. Amen? To call yourself a Christian. You know, one of the groups that I help mentor is a group in Dubai. And we were having a hard time, and I was helping with this organization to open a bank account. And do you know that they found out I was associated with the organization and looked on my page and saw I was a Christian? And that's a Muslim world. And it delayed the company having the ability because I declare myself as a Christian. Do you guys understand the freedom that you have in Jesus? Um, We're going to learn how to celebrate through the challenge. Consider it pure joy, my brother and sister, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, has anybody had their faith tested? So it says, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish its work. If you're going through it let, it, let yourself go through it so you can become strong in faith. Amen? It says, so that you may mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Guys, that's gold right there. So the Lord says, you might be going through the fire, but you need to go through the fire so you can be a little stronger. So the next time a storm comes against you, you're just not going to fall over. Amen? So go through the trial, but mature. Don't drop back and act like somebody who doesn't know the Lord, right? Isn't it tempting when you get upset and you just want to let whatever rip out of your mouth? So James calls us to rejoice in our suffering. However, worrying is not what he's calling you to do because that just stirs the pot of anger, resentment, and bitterness. And it also gives you an unwillingness to forgive. And so when those emotions are inside you, well, the Bible says you're in sin. And sin is the result. So when we're not willing to forgive, oh, but Pastor Rosa, you don't know what they did to me. Right? Can you imagine Jesus carrying the cross and he's like on his way to go get crucified and he's been beaten and bruised? And can you imagine him just laying down the cross and going, you know what? I'm out of here because I didn't do anything to them and look at the way they're treating me. But Jesus didn't do that. He carried the cross while he suffered and bled and went all the way to Calvary to die for our sins, even though the Bible says he knew no sin. So if you've ever felt like, hey, it's not my fault, why do I have to forgive? Let Jesus be your example, amen? See, what we learn is that trials serve a God purpose in our life. I wish we could have a lot less trials. I really do sometimes. But how many of you have learned from your past trial, right? It says that we'll learn from those trials. They're God trials sometimes. What is the result? Our faith comes alive when we start trusting. And as a result, you experience joy. How many of you can look back and go, I didn't give up when I felt like giving up. And today I feel so much happier because I didn't give up in my situation. There's an old gospel song and I love it. And it's like, sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Do y'all know that? I can't do the next part because it's way too high. But I just sing that little part in the car all the time because sometimes you might not hear anybody encourage you, right? Have you ever worked real hard and you just wish somebody would just say, you're doing a good job? Sometimes you just got to encourage yourself. 
But one of the ways we encourage ourselves is when we don't fall into temptation and give up or quit and we persevere. Here's the second thing. Turn from temptation. Turn from temptation. James 1, 13 through 15. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires. Hope you heard that part. You're tempted when you're dragged away by your own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Okay, I'm going to break that one down for you. So when we're enticed to sin, okay, sometimes we think of sin as the big things, you know, like stealing, killing, addiction. How many of you know a sin could be just not forgiving somebody, right? Getting an attitude with your boss, you know, being rude to somebody. So there's all kinds of ways that we can sin. I'm sure I've done quite a few, and I'm sure collectively we can write a book on sin. Amen? And so there's so many ways to fall and be enticed to sin. But if you do, you're going to give birth to sin, it says. And when it's full grown, sin causes death. So how does that look? When you sin, sometimes it ruins relationships. When you sin, sometimes we can have marriages that fall apart. When you sin, sometimes our children won't talk to us anymore. And so then we go, man, why isn't that relationship coming together? And that's because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So when we sin, we cause death in relationships. Desire is a strong motivator. Desire is strong, right? And temptation... I read this. This was so great. Temptation is like a bow on a fiddle. It is as if it knows exactly which string to pluck at the right moment. See, sin will just come in there like a sweet song, and you get wrapped up in there. How many of us get romanced by temptation? We get romanced by doing the wrong thing. And then sometimes it could be you felt like you weren't treated fairly. So when that happens... It's tempting to respond with hatred to the person that makes your life miserable because after all, they deserve it. See how, man, we got sin in, it's so easy to get caught up into sin. And so when this occurs, you have to be careful. You have to be aware that your temptations are playing on the desire for revenge. Uh, Remember then, revenge doesn't glorify God. Revenge never wins, right? It never, never wins. So here's a third thing that we can learn is that we can rest in God. Okay? Rest in God. So James 1, 21 through 22, it says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says to do. How many times can we hear the word of God, but you got no conviction? How many times can we listen to God's word, but we're filled with moral filth and we want to go on with our daily lives because we think that, you know, hey, that's not going to affect anybody. I told the Lord, sorry or whatever, and keep on going. And your life is miserable. So we have to be careful that we don't get into things God is not calling us to do that doesn't edify him. Amen. Um, I said this one time, I said, I don't care if you're buying a car, 
Don't sign the contract unless you go to the Lord and seek wisdom. So many times we cause trouble to ourselves because we didn't ask for counsel. But here, resting in God is not passive, but it's full action and adventure. How many of you have actually felt more joy when you're resting in God's presence? Amen. When you're resting in his wisdom. So you have to decide to live righteously and you have to act on that. So if you're not living righteously, how do you fix it? Examine your heart. Look inside. You know, one morning or one evening, just talk to God and just say, you know, Lord, is there anything inside of me that is holding me back from being victorious? You know, like I'm doing okay, but I'm not doing amazing. You know, I heard the, the footprints in the sands of times. I heard a different version. And the girl, she gets to the end of her trail and she's walking and she finishes the finish line and God talks to her and she says, God, didn't I do good? And he said, well, good was not what I had in mind for you. How many of you know that God has great in store for you, right? Amen. So the fourth thing we can do is we can learn to accept others. James 2, 12 through 13 says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy, say that one more time, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. See, a lot of times we want to judge people. We want to come against them. We want to discipline people, but we don't want to offer mercy. So the Bible says if you do that, then there'll be no mercy given back to you. And I can tell you, God has been more than merciful to me throughout my whole life. I think of all the trouble I could have been in, right? I think of all the times that God was so gracious to me, stupid decisions that I made, things that could have gone so south. And God was so merciful to me. Who am I not to show mercy to somebody else? Amen. Invite Rosalinda to speak at your meeting or group. Go to rosalinda.live for more details. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Get more at rosalinda.live. If you experience it, we'll examine it. If God's word says it, we'll stand on it. And when you're feeling faint, we are here with your faith fuel. I'm Rosalinda Rivera. We'll chat again soon. This podcast was brought to you by New Life for Adults and Youth, celebrating 50 years of restoring broken lives. If you or a family member has been struggling with addiction, New Life for Adults and Youth is the answer. Visit them at newlife.center.